On the first episode of So Many Sequels, we're jumping ahead to episode four because we're kicking things off in a galactic way with the original Star Wars trilogy, a new hope for a new podcast. Here we go. I'm Andrew. And I'm Josh. And this is the So Many Sequels podcast, where we sit down and watch movie franchises. But like we said early in the show, today we're talking about Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Oh, yeah. The original Star Wars. Star War, I guess. There yeah. weren't wars at the time. No. It was just the one. It was just one. The Released Civil in War. 1977, directed by George Lucas, started a, not just an epic franchise, but really changed the course of movie history. I, the yeah. most... No, I mean, I guess the most well-known franchise in movie history. I, I would It's certainly up there. I it's mean, one of the highest grossing franchises of all time. Yeah. Outside of individual films. I mean, when you think about it, it's just like everything before Star Wars and after Star Wars. Because there's really no movie that's been that big before. No, and there wasn't at the time. No. So when George Lucas first started creating what is now Star Wars... He actually, it was turned down a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he took it to Universal Pictures, turned it down. He took it to Walt Disney Motion Picture Studios, turned it down, which is Suckers. ironic. Super ironic because they later bought the Star Wars franchise for several mm-hmm. billion dollars. So it's funny to think that they could have had it. George won in the end, didn't he? He kind of did. kind of did. Finally, he pitched it to Fox, yep. who decided to take a chance on the movie, and here we are today. Mm-hmm. Here we are today. The movie went on to make... billion dollars that's after inflation, so adjusted for inflation. It's $1.5 billion in the United States. The second highest grossing movie of all time behind Gone with the Wind. Damn. Again, adjusted for inflation. Right, right, right. That's important to note. Yeah, second highest grossing movie in the United States and third highest grossing movie of all time. Yeah. It's a huge deal. Huge deal. Lots of awards for this movie. Nominated for several uh, Academy Awards. Won six of them including Best Costume Design, Best Visual Effects, Best Film Editing, Best Art Direction, Best Sound, and John Williams won Best Original Score. How can you forget that? Exactly. Outside of that, the film was also nominated for Best Original Screenplay, but lost to Woody Allen's Annie Hall. Alec Guinness as Obi-Wan Kenobi was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Are you doing that for Annie Hall or for Alec Guinness? Or for Woody Allen. uh, Woody (laughs) Allen and Annie Hall. I'm sorry, Annie Hall was a shit movie. It really was. Um, and then, well, it, it, Annie Hall won Best Picture. It won Best Picture, but which, uh, that does not mean it's the best picture. Star Wars was also nominated for. Yeah. And uh, George Lucas lost Best Director to Woody Allen as well. But yeah. who was truly cemented in film history? Right. Yep. I think we can say it was Star yeah. Wars. It's it's number 15 on the American Film Institute's uh, Best Films of the 20th Century. That's true. John Williams' score is actually number one uh, as, uh, as AFI's Best Scores. And man, how can you forget that? Just you know, everything about that score, everything about you know, just everything about that in general is just absolutely terrific. Right. I mean, it's so exciting. It's so it was so new at the time. It was so just fresh. And even still, when you watch it today, you still get that vibe of like, uh, of like you know, just excitement and. You know, where's it going to take us? You're actually entering another world. What I thought was crazy that I didn't know until 
I looked at the list is that uh, that same year, Steven Spielberg was nominated for Best Director for Close Encounters of the mm-hmm. Third Kind, which is another, another fantastic movie. Another sci-fi. Two movie. huge sci-fi movies that both that both lost. Yeah. Well, so so Jaws was, yeah. came out in 1975, and Star Wars 77, and Star Wars was the only one that was selected to the uh, the only movie from the 70s. All of the 70s that was uh, selected as part of the U.S. Library of Congress's National Film Registry as being, quote, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Yes. And so I actually had a uh, a little story I read to go into that that I I read when I was researching for this show. And I just felt like I needed to to tell it. This is a mashable piece from 2015 about the the, the, the journey to watch the original Star Wars cut. So when the, the when the Library of Congress wanted to to induct the movie, George Lucas did not want to give them the original. Wow. He did, he wanted to give them the special edition. So, too bad so sad. Right, right, right. They yeah. got That's not the how original that works. copy. Good. They they used a uh, a copy of the of the film submitted for the copyright. So that's what happened. All right. So, in the Library of Congress, you can find the original cut of Star Wars. And you can watch it by appointment. Really? Yeah. So that's what this Mashable uh, reporter did. He found it. He requested an appointment. And they accepted it. And he flew out there and watched it. Because they. Uh, it took a while for them to get this. Because they were in the process of uh, digitally archiving every gonna, film. I was going to say, like, how are they going to How are they going to present it? So they made a, a basically a 2K <clears throat> versus a 4K. They made a 2K yeah, it's not bad. digital archive of it. Mm-hmm. Now, the way he watched it was not exciting because it was in like he it was like cut into six files and he watched it on a computer. In I was going to say in the <laughs> library. <laughs> but it was exciting because he was able to bring he he brought like a, a mini DVD player with the special editions so he could turn them on at the same time and catch the differences. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty interesting to read. I obviously can't go through the whole thing. Yeah. But it, there were differences and he talks about just how it felt it just felt kind of uh, amazing again yeah. to see the original cut like that and look at the differences between the special edition. A lot of things were improved. Yeah. Obviously, the like film, the, the film had deteriorated a bit mm. and some of the planet like he, he mentions that Tatooine is exceptionally dusty yeah. on the film and that a lot of that's removed in the digital special editions. From what I heard, whenever you see like Luke's land speeder or whatever that is, uh, in the original version, you know you see it glide across, you see it glide across the area, and they actually what they did was they took a piece of wax or something that's like kind of like a, like Vaseline almost, and they rubbed it on the film in order to create that effect. It, so you wouldn't see like you wouldn't see like the uh, the the thing that's actually making it hover. Mm-hmm. So. It, I mean, if you look at the, uh, if you look at like the, the original film, like the original Star Wars, you can actually see there's a bit of like a color deterioration there. Huh. So. Interesting. One of the notes I took whenever I was going back and watching this was that I want, I want to see the original one because I want to see the graphics. That was the main thing that I took away because everything has been digitally yeah. altered and improved and enhanced over the years. And I want, I want to see what it looked like. Way back when. So this, mash- ma- this Mashable reporter says that a lot of it held up. 
That's good. Because they, the, a lot of the practical effects just simply look better. Well, yeah. and that's what I was going to compare yeah. it to was the Jurassic Park with the use of the real dinosaurs. To this day, Jurassic Park dinosaurs still look good. Yeah. One, Some of the digital ones are not that great. One okay. of the main differences I read was that, so the lightsabers in particular hold up pretty well mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Of, this, of just the nature of the special effect. But it, they had been improved and retouched in the special editions. And yeah. he mentioned that during the... During Obi-Wan's lightsaber battle with Darth Vader, you can there are moments where you can visibly see his Obi-Wan's plastic lightsaber. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And also Fun uh, fact, uh, while we are on this topic real quick, Andrew was alive back when the <laughs> 1977 version of this movie came out and saw it in theaters at least what, four times? Um, fun fact, Garrett's going to hell. <laughs> There's no reason why both of those can't be true. <laughs> None at all. <laughs> no uh, uh i will say this my dad went to go see it when these original star wars came out and he said it was he said it was amazing um he said it was a packed house i actually did go see the special edition when it came out in 97 and having been a fan of the f- film already and seeing all the new special features i will say it was different i wouldn't say it was like you know better for worse it was just a different experience but altogether, it's the fact that you're actually seeing star wars the way it's really meant to be seen and you know with ink with better sound effects some of the visual some of the visuals are better i mean i can understand i can and cannot say i cannot i cannot support George Lucas, a hundred percent, but I can say like there were some notable improvements that needed to be done. Right, his line of defense the whole time has been that every single update and every single edit and new mm-hmm. version is how he intended it to be seen. Mm-hmm. So, and while I'm not going to get into it too much, Han shot first, not Greedo. Well, I'm just saying, just that, saying that is, yeah. Yeah, I'm a purist. In Still, that, never so. heard why that why he felt the need to do that. No, and that it, it, it didn't add anything. That to me, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't no. make sense. Like, why would you make Greedo shoot first? It doesn't. But you know, the rest is history. And why they included the Java scene? <laughs> I mean, because because if you've ever seen the original version of Java, Java was a human, right? Yeah, they just put in and they CGI Java for for no reason, I mm-hmm. guess. And the first CGI Jabba was really bad. Like, it was really bad looking. And they've noticeably improved it. I mean, if you watch the Blu-ray version, Blu-ray version is obviously the best one. But, like, it's been improved ever since the special edition 97. So, like, when the DVD version came out, it was a little bit better. And now the Blu-ray version is probably, is like I said, is the best one. So, before we get too more involved, what is, can we talk about everybody's level of, of fandom? Um, so we, I imagine the ranking would be Andrew, me, and then you. Yeah. I'd say that's fair. And fair, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. At least for the first three. Sure. Yeah. yeah. When did you first see it? Um, so, we'll, we could touch on this briefly because we, we're going to get into into okay. our original Star Wars uh, memories yeah. oh, in the okay. next episode, which is fine. All right. All right. But... I, d- I was very young, and I remember watching what I think was Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, in in the in my living room as a kid, the nineteen ninety three no nineteen ninety seven VHS. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll talk about that more next episode. But that's all my right, first all right, memory. All right, uh, I first. Yeah. Do you have a specific first memory of A New Hope? Yes, I do. I had I was actually over at my grandpa's house. We it was a summer day, and he was watching after me. And I think I was probably about 11 or so. We just like we went to the video store and I'm like, I've never seen Star Wars. So I picked it up. Having already seen Return of the Jedi, I'm like, well, 
I'll just watch the first one now. So was Return of the Jedi the first Star Wars you saw? Yep. Weird. Yeah. Weird. When I saw Star Wars, I'm like, this is actually really cool. Granted, it was on a really bad videotape, so I had to rent it for somewhere else. But... <laughs> but Are like, we talking about Blockbuster? <laughs> no. Is block- that the video store? No, it wasn't Blockbuster. It was a place called Video Giant. What is that? It's it Was, was a that lo- a local store? It was a local okay. store. It's no longer in business. Well, but, most aren't. Most video stores aren't. But, True. uh... No, um, the first time I watched it, I think I was about 11 or 12. I've become a fan of Star Wars ever since. I still have all my micro machines. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. Sorry, I had a drink in my mouth. We're going to talk about your micro machines and stuff like that in a little bit. Okay. Um, I already forgot what your original question was. Didn't you ask a question? I was asking about fandoms and whatnot. Oh, fandoms and whatnot. Right. Yeah. So that's why I think just based on the fact that he has micro machines. Yeah. Still to this day would make Andrew the, the biggest Star Wars fan. Okay. I don't know if I'm the biggest Star Wars fan. Well, you are. In the room. room. In, all right. Um, Maybe not it. ever. Uh, uh, no, we might have a guest later who is a bigger fan. Than That's you. true. Oh, yeah. That well, is true. Next, next episode. That is true. Um, but no, uh, when I when Star Wars first came out, when I first saw Star Wars, the first thing I wanted was a, uh, a package of of like micro machine, Star Wars micro machines, like ships. Mm-hmm. And it came with like a TIE fighter, an X-Wing fighter, and the Millennium Falcon. And I still have all of those micro machines. Like I still keep them. They're not with me like now. I still keep them at the house. I got like four of those playsets. I got four of those playsets that had like all of the uh, micro machine like settings for the films. Yeah, I, 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 I played with one of your micro machines at one of the times I was over at your place. It's a the it's, it's, a, Darth, a, it's Vader. a Darth Vader helmet. And you open it up and it's uh, like the 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 Darth, the, the Death Star well, it's, scene. It's from the Cloud City. Oh, is it from the Cloud City scene? Yeah, that makes even less City. sense. I did have one from. I did have a Stormtrooper. That was that was part of the Death Star. Did you have the Millennium Falcon that opened up? I did have. The yeah, you did. Up. Yeah, and, like, you did. I don't know what happened to that. Did you? Did Garrett have any Star Wars toys growing up? Not that I can recall. Maybe a lightsaber. So I definitely had lightsabers. Well, we, we again we get into this in the next episode. Or we'll get into it a little more in the next episode. But I confirmed with my parents that they they're pretty sure that I started with the Phantom Menace. Really? Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah. Well, because well, like well, I, mean, I was there. That, they did Star Wars, right? Uh, but it was just never really anything that I no. don't remember having around the house. It's not shameful. No. It's just a shame. It's just. I, mean, I love them now, yeah. but they don't retain as well. No. As the uh, the the original three, they, because they I didn't watch them as a child. They don't have the power that they do now. I recently learned a lot about Star Wars toys, and you you said you watched this too. Yeah. There's a new uh, documentary series on Netflix called The Toys That Made Us. Mm-hmm. The first episode is about Star Wars toys and, and how they kind of got... Uh, there weren't really toys based on movies yeah. until Star Wars. And it's crazy. It is crazy. Like... Just how readily available those toys were and how valuable they are now. And right. Well, they talked specifically about that Boba Fett action figure. Do you remember how much oh, they said that was worth today? It was a t- like, was it, was it the one with the, uh, the, the little spring thing? fired the, yeah. the jetpack thing or whatever, yeah, they the said, missile? Uh, oh, God. I don't remember. It was in the thousands, though. Yeah, it was a, It was worth several thousand dollars. Well, there was a weird thing where when they, offic- when they made the original toy deal, this small company in, like, Ohio made the toys. I don't I mean, recall, but one of the big toy companies bought the small toy company. Let's talk about how this movie launched the careers of its three stars. Okay. Because Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill all became household names because of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, 
this was their first big break, really. Mm-hmm. Did you, I think I'm, Lucas made a point to want to cast unknowns? I think it's for great. some reason. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that I read about Harrison Ford is that he was reluctant to do it because he had worked; they'd worked together on American Graffiti, but he eventually won the part. Uh, but f- yeah, that was one of the things that that Lucas really wanted to focus on was to get unnamed people to yeah. star in his movie. So this was this was Carrie Fisher's second film ever. Harrison Ford was the more established one. He had done several films, including American Graffiti, like we had mentioned. Yeah, and this was Mark Hamill's second film, first uh, on camera role. So this is this was truly the big break for Her- for Carrie and, and Mark. One of the things that I in my research found was that Hamill said that he struggled with the language a little bit, the with the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And so instead of putting a ton of like inflection and things into that, he read it with sincerity. And that's eventually how he won the part. And I think that translates because I, I again, and I know this is only a second movie, but I again say that Hamill, his acting in the movie itself is not the strong suit of it. He does a good job, but it's not the strong suit of what he brings to the table. All right. All right. I, I, he's just not, he doesn't have much emotion. He's a whiny teenager for a lot of it, which is what he's kind of is. It's what he's supposed to be. But I will, uh, but I will say this. There were moments in that movie and I'm not, I mean, I'm just saying there were moments in that movie, especially when, when his aunt and uncle die, you know, he just, he looks at Obi-Wan and just says, you know, I want to learn the ways of the force. I mean, you really felt like, you know, he wanted to go somewhere. It was just that one, that one moment when he decides that he knows what he wants to be now. Like, he has nothing else to do except for be a Jedi. And I'm like, that's that's just great acting. And you can see it. Even more so when, towards the end, whenever he's actually listening to Ben. A lot can be said there. But yeah, I mean, on the whole, maybe his acting... Maybe his acting wasn't all that great. But then again, it was, it was just starting out. You're not good in your first movie most of the time. Nope. Most of the time. Most of the time. I told you that I was going to quiz you because Andrew's more of the encyclopedia mind. Oh, yeah. So Harrison Ford was not the first choice, okay. as we said a minute ago, to play Han. Okay. Because he, they had worked with Lucas on American Graffiti, so he wanted somebody else. There are several big-name people who were in consideration to play this part. There are how many can you name? Uh, two of which I can name right off the bat. One of which was, uh, Kurt Russell. Yes. Uh, is Tom Selleck on there? Um. I'm thinking of Indiana Jones. Tom Ooh. Selleck is not on this list, but a very Tom Selleck-y person is on the list. Uh, Tom Selleck. Oh. Um. Dustin Hoffman? No. Oh. You get one more. I get one Make more. Make it count. Okay. Three guesses. So. One more. Like a Tom Selleck-y type person. <laughs> uh, think mustache. Think mustache. Okay. Um, I give up. I really do. It is Burt Reynolds is who ah! I'm referencing. Uh, no. Okay. So this is a this is the list of people who were in the running to play Han Solo. You mentioned Kurt Russell. Nick Nolte was another one. Sylvester Stallone, another one. Uh, Burt Reynolds. Now this is where it go- it's going to get interesting. Uh, Jack Nicholson, Al Pacino, who all I can see now. Your favorite actor, Christopher Walken. All right. Was also a person. Christopher Walken's your favorite actor? Hell yeah. All right. That's a conversation <laughs> for another time. It is. But the two weird standouts, I guess there's three. The two, three, or the three weird standouts to me are Bill Murray, Steve Martin, and Chevy Chase 
were all in consideration to play Han Solo in Star Wars. Very happy they weren't. Love Bill uh, Murray, but very happy they weren't. Yeah, I agree. I cannot see either one of those three being action stars. I just, no. Yeah. But, and then, just to round out the list, Billy D. Williams, who ends up playing Lando, was also considered. It's just, to I, the only, of the, of the people on the list, the only other person, you and I talked about this, Josh, but the only other person I could see is Kurt Russell, because he is kind of an action star. Yeah, he, he did cut. Yeah, he's he got did. the hair. He's got the, he's got the look, I yeah. think. Yeah, he wears I mean, leather he, jackets and stuff. He did become an action star in his own right. I mean, there's uh, all the John Carpenter movies he's been in, so. But no, St- Sylvester Stallone, sorry Sly, but no. Yeah, well, and it just, I don't know. I mean. Sylvester Stallone, I don't think quite fits the um, persona of Han Solo. No. He's a different kind of like smooth, tough guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a different, a different. Like kind. no smooth, only tough. Like a different kind of <laughs> machismo there. And but plus he is he had already he'd already done the first Rocky movie. Yeah. The year before Star Wars came out. So he was just fresh. And had he taken on Star Wars, I don't know the the Rocky franchise would look like it does today. Yeah. Yeah. It could have changed that completely. Who knows that he would have done so many Rocky movies? Probably wouldn't have. Yeah, it would have been interesting. Uh Carrie Fisher, also not the first choice to play Princess Leia. Who do you got? Do you have a list of, of other? Uh, I don't candidates? have a. I don't have a strong list. I do have a list. Uh, the other people who auditioned for the role are Amy Irving, who I don't know, Terry Nunn, Cindy Williams, Karen Allen, and Jodie Foster. Wow. So Jodie Foster is the only one that I know, and she had to turn it down she because baby. she was under contract with Disney and working on two films at the time. So Carrie Fisher was cast under the condition that she lose 10 pounds. Uh, I heard her complain about that in the yeah. past. And she, she, in her interviews leading up to The Force Awakens, said similar things about they wanted her to, to get back into a better shape, I guess. Yeah. She was not quiet about it. No. Good for she her. She was not quiet about she it. She was a rebel, which is why I feel like she was perfect for that role. Here's a fun one. So this is this is from, from the Star Wars website, so I think they're probably trustworthy. Sure. Uh, they say... That another person vying for the role of Princess Leia was another uh, person, uh, actress from American Graffiti, Cindy Williams, who right. went on to become uh, Shirley Feeney from Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley. That oh, might, that makes sense. Oh, okay. So how about that? Well, so I knew Cindy Williams sounded familiar. Yeah. But that makes sense. Yeah. I just like to, to bring it back to the movie, the fact that Princess Leia has never been the stereotypical kind of a princess. Uh, she gets in there. She gets in the nitty gritty. There, she uh, near the end when they're in the dumpster, or right before they go in the trash chute, she grabs that blaster and just starts shooting and is telling people what to do. And I like it. Yeah, she don't take shit. She's not your typical. She's not your typical princess. Your first uh, introduction to, or your your introduction you can only have one first. Your introduction to her is is through the R two D two yeah uh, hologram message, and you don't get any of that. Yeah. It's yeah. just the help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. And then she shoots somebody. And then she shoots somebody, yeah. and then she gets yeah. down to business. She's cool. And apparently, like, I yeah. guess that one scene where she got drugged by that one little space, that little floating orb, uh-huh. apparently she didn't She didn't talk. Didn't talk. She's a tough one. Yeah. She's a tough one. Can't break it. That's why she becomes General Leia. That's yeah. right. Much later in the franchise. So we talk about how Princess Leia is not your typical princess in this movie. Correct. She kind of... Uh, 
takes the idea of a princess and throws it over yeah. overboard. Mm-hmm. What other mo- what are some other standout moments from the movie for you guys? So I went back and rewatched it, and this is kind of an overarching theme, and it's something that I talked about. Uh, but it, it crosses with Leia and, and the whole theme, or not the whole theme of Star Wars, but a pretty big thing. So you, Mr. Encyclopedia, might know this. If not, then I'm going to feel proud of myself because I picked it up. <laughs> Do you know the cell block that Leia was in? Yeah. Cell block 1138. Incorrect. What? Sorry, not the block. The cell, that the, it, the actual cell that she was in. Cell number. Give me a second. Think it over. Think it over. Star Wars and stuff. I'll get, you want a hint? No, no, no. You don't even yeah, want no, don't give him no hint because no. I want this. No. I can't stump this encyclopedia over there. Even if you gave me the most obvious hint, I wouldn't remember the number. 1187? Nope. You're close, though. Uh, 187? Nope. How many numbers are in it? Four. I feel like that's a good hint. So you, you're dealing with four numbers. 4187? Nope. You get one more chance. Seven is in it, though, right? Yep. Is another number in it? Mm-hmm. 4137? Nope. What is it? 2187. You were close. I was close. Do so, you know what that? Do you know what that is? Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, Princess Leia's cell number. Right, but do you know where that comes back? Because we just learned today that that comes back later in the franchise. In the, no, I not don't. in. Ah, uh, got him. Okay, got, got him. all of us. We all are learning something new today. All right, so two one eight seven is apparently an important thing for George Lucas overall, mm-hmm. but where it comes back in the franchise is John Boyega. Because his stormtrooper number is FN2187. Ah! And so, for me, I know the more recent trilogy, uh, well, I guess it's a sequel so far, but the, the more recent ones a little more. So that his name stands out to me. And so when I went back to rewatch it to take notes for this movie, I heard that I had to back it up. I had to back the movie up twice because I was like, he did not say that he's, she's in cell block 2187 and straight up. That's what he did. The other, the other fun tie-in I like to Finn that is a, a bit more obvious is that as a stormtrooper, he was on trash duty. <laughs> oh, so yeah. So he knew about the trash compactor system and yep. all that. That's a big part of The Force Awakens. That's yeah. true. But 2187 is actually a short film that George Lucas was, or 2187 was a short film that Lucas was a big fan of whenever he was at film school in US, uh, USC. So he brought it into his movies and it brought it back. But when I heard them say Cell Block 2187, I had to like, what? And I was like, oh, I feel like a super Star Wars guy right now. <laughs> and turns out that it's a fairly common known thing, yeah. but like not obvious. So I was pretty excited about that. Literally. So that really jumped out at me when I went back and watched Nobody it. here knew it. What else stands out to you guys in the movie itself? Well, I really, I'll just say then that I really like the trash compactor part since I, we just mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, that's a, That's a really fun part. Fun part of the movie where, I, as, a, as a kid, I remember thinking, I don't know what's going to happen here. Are mm-hmm. they going to get smashed in the trash compactor? And and 3PO thinks they did because they're screaming. They're so happy yeah. that they didn't get smashed. I really like that part a lot. There are several parts that I like. I think one of them I have to say, like, I loved Alec Guinness's role. And I think we're going we're gonna to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, well, we'll circle back to Alec. We'll, cir- we'll circle back to Alec. But, the I mean, just the way that he, I think he was cast very perfectly as that because he's just the teacher type. But the other thing is, is that one thing I will say is the, it has to be the ending, like where they make the final assault on the Death Star. And I, I always thought that's just like the most excited I've ever been in a movie. Like, like I ever seen a film. I'm just like, there's so much going on. There's so much going on. 
And you have to think of it in terms of like, I don't know. You have to think of it in terms of like a Western almost. But because, you know, the people are riding in and they're trying to destroy everything. They're trying to take out the bad guy. But, I mean, that's that's like film theory shit. But, um, but other than that, no. Uh, everything that has to do with like the Death Star assault, I just thought was just, it blew my mind. It really did blow my mind. It still does. It still holds up. Oh, yeah. It's still a great, great all, moment in film history. All thanks and huge thanks to John Williams' score because, man, does that just build everything. It does. It really does. Uh, watching it again, I have to always, because I, I don't have the, the memories built up as a kid, so I have to watch it as an adult, which is kind of neat because I get different perspectives because you guys are talking about a little more of the action stuff. Mm. For me, the, the notes that I took that really stood out is I really enjoyed the storytelling when Obi-Wan is explaining the Force yeah. and the history of Darth Vader to Luke, knowing everything that happens. It's a very important part whenever... And, and knowing things that happen when Obi-Wan talks about, or he's been at that point, it hasn't been revealed that he's Obi-Wan yet. And he said, oh, he's not dead yet. And that, to me, was a major foreshadowing of oh, what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, I never thought about that. There's also a very funny line, because everybody makes fun of stormtroopers for not being able to shoot at anything, ever. You take a shot at every time. There's a line that Kenobi miss. says... <laughs> There, I, uh, it's whenever they're back at the ship where they got the droids mm-hmm. and it was made to look like the sand people had done it, but Kenobi was like, nah. Yeah. Storm, he goes, only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. And that made me laugh a lot based yeah. on the fact that everybody makes fun of them. So the, those are some of the things that really stood out. I also really liked how evil Darth Vader actually is. It, oh, it's, yeah. It's, He's an evil dude. It's so terrifying. I mean, he comes out right out the gate. Grabs that guy by the throat and just crushes it immediately. And I can only imagine how in the 70s that was like, whoa, yeah. this dude is a badass. Mm. And it re- and it remains. So those are the things that really st- stand out to me. I do have one more while, while I'm thinking about it. I think the one, like, one of the very few moments, it's not just the action, but it's also the subtlety of some of the scenes. And I will say that if there's one subtle scene that I have to say that gets me the most every time I watch it, it's when Luke looks into the dual sunset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've always thought that's just like pure magic because you can actually feel someone like, you know, it's so somber, but it's so epic because one, the effects were actually kind of cool. A dual sunset, you know, how they did that back in the day. I don't know. But like the music and just uh, really, again, that's all Mark Hamill's acting. Yeah. He says it without the words. There's no Yeah. yeah his word acting is not my favorite part. His uh, like visuals and everything else, yeah. I have no problem with. Yeah, no, it's it's. Ter- I mean, it's a terrific scene. I mean, it's still. I mean, I'll I'll be I'll admit, like every time I watch that, it does bring a tear to my eye because it just it's it's very very, you know, just that part of movie magic. Yeah, it's when you really get to see that they really are on another planet. Yeah, yeah. No one else has seen a dual sunset. No, yeah. So it is a powerful part. It, it is, is a powerful, powerful moment. Because you actually start feeling bad. I mean, you actually start feeling for Luke. Let's go ahead and circle that back to to Alec Guinness now. I know you all had things you wanted to Yeah, you mentioned that you, you thought he was perfectly cast. And what I take away from Alec Guinness the most is he's a classically trained actor. He's known for a lot of things. He 
was not a fan of this movie. He thought it was sci-fi rubbish. No. Did not like it at all. But because he was smart, he was one of the only ones that was able to negotiate royalties into his contract. He knew it was going to be a success despite the fact that he didn't like it. Mm -hmm. Uh, George Lucas also gives him a lot of credit for making the other younger actors work a lot harder because of the fact that they were with him and they saw how he worked. And Harrison Ford said, it was for me fascinating to watch Alec Guinness. He was always prepared, always professional, always very kind to the other actors. He had a very clear head about how to serve the story. And so I think he helped bring out Mm -hmm. everything else in those other actors, despite the fact not liking the movie. Which, if I'm, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that, he was supposed to play a bigger part, but it was like, no, kill me in the first one, right? Yeah, he didn't, it, it was originally said that he did not want to, like, after the first Star Wars, he wanted nothing else to do with the Star Wars. And then, you know, as popularity got bigger and bigger, just like, we, they just said, we have to include Obi-Wan somewhere. So, how, he came back as a vision which I, you know, it it's, worked. It's small enough. It worked for him. But yeah, I mean, that's that's originally that's originally why you don't see him very much in the first one, and you see him littler, or, or his role just shrinks and shrinks as the series progresses. But no, uh, as far as as far as Alec Guinness is concerned, yeah, I think Alice, Alec Guinness, for starters, is a very just good actor. I later saw uh, the Bridge on the River Kwai. And he was magnificent in The Bridge on the River Kwai. There's a reason why he won Best Actor. I'd never heard of Alec Guinness until I saw Star Wars. Then you learn about all the backstory about about how Alec Guinness really did not have a lot of faith in the movie. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, when he actually did. But he was just, of all the actors there, he felt like he wasn't being, like, I'm sorry to say, wooden. Because granted, some of the some of the actors in this are kind of this, like, wooden acting. I mean, it's just... Just kind of like stale acting. His was actually like had depth. That's the whole point that I just made with Mark Hamill. <laughs> He's a wooden actor in that movie. He is a wooden actor. No, uh, Obi-Wan, like you could. Now I'm the only one who hasn't said a bad thing about Mark yet. I love Mark Hamill. But I'm, in I'm, that I hope he knows. Movie, I hope he hears me. In that particular movie, I'm his watching. acting is not up to par. Mark, I just want to say that you're awesome. It's too late. <laughs> it's too late to apologize. I re- I'm the lone one standing. Uh, so do you think it... I don't know. I don't know this or if he even commented on it. I'm sure that he did. I wonder if it bothered Alec Guinness that he was nominated for an Oscar for a movie he hated. He was probably surprised about it, if anything. Like he he did not win. He didn't win. But I wonder if he got that nomination and went, son of a bitch. <laughs> I just wonder if it annoyed him. It, you know what? Surely it annoyed him a little bit It probably because he thought he was above it. Yeah, he thought he was above it and he didn't, I mean... Just like it's just like what we talked about just a second ago, he didn't have a lot. I mean, he had faith in the film, but like when he got that Oscar nomination, I, I feel it was like one of those times where you're just like, what, really? Maybe, you know. So let's move on to our uh, the first time we're going to play a game. Game. Oh boy, we're going to play a game. Rather than us give you a rating of the movie, we're going to try to guess what the Rotten Tomatoes score of this movie is. Yeah. Whoever gets closest. Wins bragging rights. Hot damn. And then we'll just, I don't know, we'll see where it goes from there. So, who wants to go first? Andrew's going to go first. Okay. So, as as most people are aware, Rotten Tomatoes is a 100% score. So, 0 to 100, anything above 60 is considered fresh. 59 and below is rotten. Okay. Where do you think Star Wars A New Hope lands on the thermometer? I am going to say 
Final answer. Final answer. Final answer. I am going to say, okay, so before we go further, is it going to be Price is Right rules where it's, what is it? You can't go over? can't go over. Closest without going over. Is that what we want to do or we want to do closest? (laughs) Closest or closest without going over? I'm fine with closest. Okay, let's do closest then. Yeah. We'll do closest. I'm going to say 94. I'm going to say it's in the 80s. Okay. I'm going to say 87. Okay. So I have it pulled up. 93. Yeah, I win. <laughs> I get nothing but bragging rights, so no. that's fun. All right. I'm all glad right. I, I'm glad that you all wanted to do closest without going over because yeah. you'd have won. Yeah. <laughs> I choose 1%. The audience score. <laughs> I mean, that would technically <laughs> win. Yeah. yeah, that would the win. The audience score, fun fact, 96. Wow. Okay. So they're yeah. pretty they're pretty equal. Uh, I have lost all faith in the audience scores. So, well, yeah. So I don't I do not care at all. <laughs> But what? So what? Audiences are, are untrustworthy. We we guess. I'm intrigued that you went so they not so low, but uh-huh. lower. <laughs> so low. So low. Uh, I went. This I night. went to 87. Yeah. Because I remember that not. Uh, I think the Last Jedi is the highest reviewed one. Correct. Who knows if that's still the case? That's true. So I knew that that one was in the 90s. And for some reason, my thinking was that there were only two in the 90s and that it was The Last Jedi or, yeah, The Last Jedi and Return. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. that was my logic. I mean, I can back your logic up with like, given that the special editions have come out and people look negatively on the special editions because they they want the originals. So uh, the reason why I said 97% is because... Star Wars has such a huge fan base, and every time you show it to somebody new, like, I showed it to my nephew. My nephew was five at the time whenever I showed it to him, and he absolutely loved it. So that's how timeless Star Wars really is. I mean, you can't, you really can't go wrong with Star Wars unless you absolutely hate it. (laughs) Some people do. Some people do. People really hate it. I mean, some people. Some people won't even try. Correct. I know people who won't give it a chance. I know people who won't give it a chance either. So. But that's where I stand on it. So do we all think that 93 is the right, is is good? Is that the right score? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think it's fair. I think it's, yeah. Yeah. If we wanted to give it our own personal ratings, what do you, what would you guys give? Are we going to stick to the one out of one, or zero out of, to a hundred scale? I, or we could go one to five. One to five? For us. One, one to five Millennium Falcons. <laughs> one to five Millennium Falcons. I give it 4.5 Millennium Falcons. I give it 4.6. You would. Of course. I'd say 4.5 is about right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. First game is a success. Woo! I think the first podcast was a success. I I hope We're at the end of the show. We're going to jump to light speed on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew won't be back anymore. (laughs) Okay. No, we will. He'll be back. All right. That does it for us today. We're still working on where you can find us. Yeah, we haven't got So in the meantime, you can find us at facebook.com slash okconnection, which is one of our other shows. We'll see if we launch a page for this. I don't know as of recording this yet. But maybe. Who knows? But suffice to say, facebook.com slash okconnection. Coming up next time, we're going to talk about Empire Strikes Back, hailed by many as one of the greatest films of all time and, and the greatest Star Wars film of all time by default. Uh, we're going to have a special guest on that show, Daniel Ott from the Talkin' Tom Pod Hanks Tomcast. There you go. Yep. <laughs> it took me a second, so that'll be fun. And then it's on to Return of the Jedi after that. And then who knows what our next franchise will be. You'll have to stay tuned. 